men's uh, NCAA tournament games, NBA, PGA golf championships. Busy schedule that has, uh, I'm guessing, ground to uh, pretty much a stop right now. But, Brian, do appreciate your time this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. It's um, I, I had to find some space in my busy schedule today, so now <laughs> I have the next twenty three and a half hours free. So that's, I'm gonna have that's to great. Really appreciate you cramming us in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sort of in that boat. What, what would you be doing right now? Do you, do you keep track of of what you would be doing, or do you just kind of put that <laughs> out of your mind? <laughs> you know, today today uh, on the original schedule was an off day. Okay. Um, I was going to be preparing. I was be coming off of the um, NCAA tournament. Right. I was hoping to maybe catch the Baylor Bears on my way to the NCAA tournament this year with Chris Weber. Um, and then I would have had a Tuesday NBA game yesterday. And then this was going to be an off day. And then the, the Brewers were starting up a homestand tomorrow that I was going to call i was going to call about 10 days worth of baseball games before the nba playoffs so yeah this was always an off day so i have nothing planned there you um, go <laughs> and never had anything planned <laughs> did you have your nca tournament assignments i mean did you know where you and, you and chris were going to be no we um, okay that usually comes down on selection sunday obviously okay. they they canceled all that before that time so it's really interesting when they when they do that, you know, we, I, because I, I get all these texts and emails and people asking, uh, wh- where are you going to be? And are, did you get so and so? Did you get us and all these coaches and whoever? But we really don't know. Um, and sometimes we'll know minutes before the selection Sunday show. Usually we don't find out until the show's already started. And then we'll get an email saying, okay, you're headed to wherever. And then, uh, then we start to, focus in on Greg Gumble and Ernie Johnson and figure out, um, you know, if we're going to Louisville, where, what teams are going to be there, and we start right. to scramble at that point. So it's right. quite the mad dash. I miss it. I miss – it's the hardest thing I do every year, but I miss yeah. um, I missed it this year. And um, I, I'm enjoying being home and being with my family and doing things I don't normally get to do. Uh, but that that's one rush that is hard to replicate. Well, I would guess so. I don't know anything that would come close to that. You're talking about a first day, you know, when you're doing uh, uh, four games and eight teams, you know, that aren't, I mean, none of them are teams. When I do Baylor games, I know Baylor pretty well, but I need to learn the other team. But you're <laughs> learning eight teams to do four games in one day. Uh, that's that's a tough assignment. Yeah, it's it's hard, and it's uh, but it's very rewarding, and it's it's um, an adrenaline rush, and it really focuses you in on your preparation and being efficient with your preparation. And um, I'm lucky that I still Turner allows me to do a bunch of college basketball games, so uh, they're very um, generous in allowing me to do not only the Big East through Fox Sports and FS1, but I do the Big Ten as well through Big Ten Network, BTN. So I do about 15 to 20 college games a year just to keep my hand in that, keep my eyes on the college game. It's so different than the NBA. Um, The rules are a little bit different. The pace is a a lot different. So um, I'm always begging for a Big East or a Big Ten team, you know, when I I start to get my list of teams. Um, But, you know, I have Texas roots, and I still – 
pay attention to and root for all those Texas teams. I was so happy to see Texas Tech make a run last year. And I grew up in, in the Austin area, so, you know, always interested in the University of Texas and Baylor, of course. Um, I actually grew up in Georgetown, which is right. uh, just over an hour from from Waco. So I have a lot of ties to Baylor and a lot of family and friends still pull for the Bears. So uh, I've been paying attention to them all season. So I was actually really hoping – I mean it when I say that. I was hoping to draw them. I don't think I've ever done a Baylor men's basketball game. I right. used to do the Big 12 women's package uh, when I lived down there and, uh, you know, obviously did a ton of Baylor Baylor games. So uh, always look forward to catching the Bears. Yeah, we would have loved to have uh, had that opportunity. It's a great year for Baylor. Unfortunately, ended uh, short. We were in Kansas City at the Big Twelve tournament when they pulled the plug on everything. I guess you were at the you were at the Big Ten tournament when when everything just kind of came to a halt. Yeah, I was actually on the floor. We were ready to go on the air. You know, I just done an NBA game for TNT in San Antonio in front of a packed house, and that was on a Tuesday, March tenth. Wow. Traveled to Indianapolis on a Wednesday. Um, the start of the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, was Wednesday night. I didn't call those games. Uh, Brandon Gordon had those two, but that was the night you might remember when Fred Hoiberg got sick and left the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that created, coming right on the heels of the Rudy Gobert situation, that was all the same day uh, with the Utah Jazz. And, of course, uh, they were in Oklahoma City. The whole team had to be quarantined. And then, then the Nebraska team gets quarantined. So that was kind of the big story was, A, are we playing this game? Will there be fans, which they decided there wouldn't be? And why are we playing this game? <laughs> because you could tell all the pregame prep we did and as we were starting that, that Big Ten tournament Thursday, um, the players were very apprehensive. The coaches yeah. were very apprehensive. But – we were there, and the Michigan and Rutgers were in the layup lines. We were ready to start the game with no fans in the stands. And about 15 minutes before tip, uh, the Big Ten commissioner pulled the plug on the game, the tournament, and, of course, the NCAA tournament followed the next day. Wow, strange situation. Brian Anderson is our guest uh, here on ESPN Central Texas. You mentioned doing uh, NCAA tournament games, and you are wondering where you were going to be going, who you are going to be covering, but obviously you're going to be going with your broadcast partner, Chris Weber. And what is he like, especially during NCAA time, uh, tournament time, when he was, as a player, a, a part of one of the most iconic plays and games, really, in NCAA history? Yeah, I mean, to be a part of that Fab Five and um... – He's he's uh, he's great. He's, he's an incredible analyst. He sees the game uh, so well, and the kids love him. I mean, that's kind of my takeaway. I always tell people the the players just they can't get enough to see Webb. I mean, even at this, he's been out of the league for a few years, but a lot of these players they know him well. Uh, obviously, he's highly visible on television uh, with Marv Albert every Thursday night on TNT, and so. Um, he he still gives them a lot of time and talks to the players, and he's great in the practices. And, yeah, he and uh, Allie LaForce, that's our team. That's our announced team. And uh, we've, we've got a great group. We've got a great producer, director, crew that we've been with for a few years. And um, I, I love those guys. And, obviously, I work with Chris, you know, every now and then in the NBA circle and have worked with him in the NCAA tournament the last four years now maybe five years. Um, so, he, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy, passionate guy who cares about a lot of things and cares about 
the people he's around, and always a pleasure to be around C-Web. John mentioned how you, you have your, your toes in a lot of different waters. You cover a lot of different games, do a lot of different broadcasts. But what do you find the most pleasure in? Would it be the NCAA tournament? Would it be baseball? What do you find to be the most entertaining for yourself? Well, I get asked that a lot, and, 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 I, and I mean this honestly. I, I love whatever I'm doing because, to me, I mean, the sport is the sport, and there are different um, techniques, different mechanics for every sport, different verbiage, vocabulary, all of that, and you have to kind of change your brain from a play-by-play perspective uh, to make sure that you're, you're focused on that. But uh, the common thread in all of the different sports I do is, the stories of the individual athletes, the players, how they got here, the coaches. Um, if it's a golf event, you know, it's, it's their backstory to get to this point. So anybody doing the, the events that I do, NCAA, NBA, MLB, PGA Championship, I mean, to get to that level as an athlete, not only is there an incredible backstory, you just know it's almost guaranteed, but that player, that person, that competitor – is typically a hero in his hometown, right? So I'm really fascinated by that. So that's why I enjoy the prep so much. It's why I enjoy covering these players. And and not that you're overwhelming the audience with all these stories. There's not time for that when you're calling play-by-play. But trying to weave and fit that puzzle around weaving the play-by-play and these stories together, that's really the fascinating part for me. So whatever gig i'm assigned whatever sport that happens to be i'm i'm totally into it i'm totally in the present and i love it i love being in the arenas i love being in major league baseball games i would say baseball is probably the sport that you know it's the hardest to call i think from the outside world but for me because i i grew up playing the game i know the game well i played at the collegiate level i i did minor league baseball forever nine years so i've called more baseball games than any other sport probably into the you know two three thousand range at this point Mm. so that's the that's the game where i really don't have to think about um the play-by-play execution it just kind of it's a very natural sport for me to call but at the same time basketball i called a lot of basketball um and i i enjoy the pace of basketball and the staccato feel of it and the the ability to get loud, you know, and, and be in these loud arenas, which who knows what that's going to look like moving forward. But, you know, I enjoy everything. Long answer to a easy <laughs> question, but it's, it's true. It's what I, I enjoy doing whatever I'm doing on that particular day. That's the perfect answer. It really is. And you mentioned minor league baseball. Uh, folks listening to us here may know the name Roy Acuff. Uh, I worked with him a long time ago at KWTX here in Waco, and you worked with him uh, quite a quite a few years in San Antonio. Oh man, he's he's my guy. He was my mentor. He was uh, he gave me my first job in in broadcasting. He hired me in San Antonio. He's a legend in the Texas League. Uh, is in their Hall of Fame. Uh, he's not doing well right now. He's having some health issues, and so I talk to him usually a couple times a month still. Uh, we keep in close contact, and I owe him a lot and uh, think the world of him, and he kind of stepped aside for me. You know, he brought me in as a partner first but had some health problems and kind of let me spread my wings, and uh, I spent nine years with him in San wow. Antonio calling games for the missions and uh, yeah, those are those are great memories, and he's he's not just a former boss and a former partner. He's he's like family to me. So 
I'm glad you brought him up. I love that man. Brian, you mentioned the fact of games, the potential of them being played without fans. And, look, we're dealing with a really crazy time right now with this coronavirus uh, pandemic going on across the across the country. But from a play-by-play point of view, I mean, how much are the fans part of the story that if they're not there at the games to be the noise, the background, the crowd, how much of the story is lost without them? Well, that's a good question. There, it is a factor, you know. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, I did nine years of minor league baseball, so I've done a ton of games in front of no fans. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I'm pretty uh, used to that. But I do, I do think calling the games, you're, you're, you're into. You have the blinders up a little bit. You're into the plays and the play calling and making sure you get each piece right. At the same time, you do feed off the energy of the crowd. You know, when we were there at the Big Ten tournament and we're preparing to start this game and there's no fans in the stands. It was hard to, to get amped up, you know, it's like to motivate. I don't know. It just felt like we were hours away from the tip as opposed to minutes away. And I kept having to remind myself, like we're on the air now. You know, I'm my first words are going to be spoken in 16 minutes. Like I had to tell myself that because it just felt like you're walking in as we do. We get to the arenas early or the stadiums early and there's nobody there, and there's a different kind of mindset when you first arrive versus the ramp-up to before you go on the air. So uh, that would, that's definitely a challenge. I mean, we talked about not having, especially in basketball, when you're down at the table, uh, can the players hear you, and, and will this curtail our analysis or our discussion? It kind of reminded me, if you go back far enough, uh, to the, to the uh, Happy Days era when – you know, Poppy was on the PA and Richie Cunningham was at the free throw line and he kept distracting him while he's trying to make this free throw. It's like, that's what I kept envisioning is I'm going to be saying something about a guy uh, who's at the free throw line. He's going to be listening to every word I'm saying. And what, what, what should I say? I mean, I don't want to like overpraise him and you got to still call it, call it the same way, but it's going to be a change. I mean, I, I do think there's going to be, we have a chance in baseball, uh, they're talking about one proposal where we may do a good chunk of the season in front of no fans uh, just to get the season started. So I'm prepared for anything. Uh, we'll make do with anything. We're just trying to get games on and, and entertain people, you know, um, but it, it, it's going to be a challenge, no question. What, what's You're closer to this than we are. What's the latest uh, or how much validity is there to maybe baseball starting next month playing games in Arizona, kind of taking over those spring training stadiums and playing everything out there sort of in a, uh, in a secluded, uh, no-fans type environment? Well, I think that's um, one of the many contingency plans that baseball is coming up with. I feel like that's going to be a really difficult thing to do. I think because the, the players union still has to agree to anything that will happen. Uh, now the players are motivated to get checks for the full year, obviously, but the, you, you, you don't want to um, put your health at risk. You, you certainly don't want to be isolated from your family. That's kind of been one of the proposals is to play the games, but totally isolate um, meaning not even have your family there for an extended time. So I think that's causing a lot of concern. But, again, I do. I just warn people because I've been asked this a lot the last couple of days. It, it's just a contingency plan, and all the leagues are coming up with multiple scenarios, and this is one and probably the one that would be next on the list to accomplish if they can. So that's why it's getting a lot of the publicity and, 
Um, that's why it's been in the news. So I would just say that regardless of the contingency plans that all the leagues are putting together, which is going to start coming out through the various, you know, uh, sources that cover these leagues, um, it's really important for us to focus on the now. And if we're not in, you know, an essential position, if we're not in healthcare, if we're not in the medical services field, and we have the ability to be home and stay home, we need to do that. We need to continue with the social distancing because that that's that's my biggest fear. And talking to some of my friends that are are in healthcare, um, they're worried that news like this is gonna give people the all clear idea right. because we're so eager to get that all clear and they're worried. They're already feeling that tremendous burden. So you're gonna hear about these plans, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's time for us to start to loosen up uh, what we're doing. And we do need to be exercising our our social distancing protocols, and it's really important. So that's kind of been my message. I don't know how the leagues are going to come back. I have no idea, but I know for a fact they all have multiple layers of plans in place whenever they do get uh, the all-clear go. Brian, final question. Uh, we'll let you get to your next assignment and a busy day for you. Uh, <laughs> do, you do you get back to Georgetown much? Or do you have family there still? Oh, yeah, yep. I, um, I got a, my mom still lives in Georgetown, and um, my the other side of my family all lives in Austin. So I get back a couple of times a year. I love going home. It's changed a lot, you know, since I was there. Uh, I, I went to high school at Georgetown in the late 80s, and – um, so Austin's much different, uh, you know, Georgetown's much different. I have relatives in Waco and so was just in Waco last, last year for a wedding. Right. Uh, right. My nephew lives in Waco and went to Baylor. And so, yeah, central Texas is uh, near and dear to my heart. I love spending time there and, um, try to get back a couple of times a year. Man, that's great. Well, I hope our paths cross uh, at some point in the future, and I hope uh, we all get back to work at some point in the future. But the main thing is to uh, stay safe and be safe, and we really do appreciate your time this morning. Uh, Great to visit with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, John, appreciate it. Good to be with you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be safe. Thanks very much. 